Want to hear a married couple fight over who's the greatest of all time, Jordan or LeBron? Absolutely. And it's Jordan. It's definitely not. But listen to our podcast, The Greatest, to hear who really is. Listen to The Greatest on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I just couldn't do it. My knees, my back, my shoulders, my wrist. There was a there was a couple years I'll say that I couldn't feel like the last three fingers on my hand oh, wow. from like carpal tunnel and the same repetitive motion oh, over sense, and over yeah. and over again. And leaning over a bar and hyperextending your knees and stuff. You know, people don't think about standing, you know, for eight to twelve, sometimes sure. fourteen hours and really physically be demanded in a way that is hurry up, especially in New York. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode three of the Be More Well podcast. My name is Jeff St. Pierre. Thank you so much for checking out the show. If this is the first episode you're hearing, I'd love for you to check out the first couple of episodes. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Click on subscribe and you'll be able to be notified of all future episodes as well. And we're on social media, so hit me up on Instagram. It's at Be More Well Podcast. And on Twitter, we're just at Be More Well. I love to hear from you guys. So ask any questions, suggest any topics you'd like. I am all ears. So I was hoping to have this episode ready for you sooner, but the flu kind of knocked me on my ass last week. Uh, yes, I understand there is a little bit of irony in hosting a podcast about wellness and also ending up with the flu at the same time. But hey, it happens to the best of us. I'm back and ready to get into it. This episode is very special to me. I think it touches on something that a lot of people go through in their lives, sometimes multiple times. Many of us have been in that situation where our job is having a negative impact on our life. Sure, every job has good days and bad. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those moments where the environment becomes so toxic that it's actually impacting your quality of life. You know, the hours are insane. The workload is too much. Maybe it's hurting your health in a physical or mental way. Any number of reasons. I can think of a couple of jobs that I've had in my life where this was the case, but I was too afraid to cut and run. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to find something else, and you still got to pay those bills, right? So I stayed on and remained unhappy and unhealthy in those jobs. It's not a great way to live, but sometimes we just got to do what we got to do. It's terrifying, though, to try something new without any guarantee that it's going to work. Sometimes, though, that's exactly what you need to do. So today's episode of the Be More Well podcast is going to touch on just that subject. My guest today spent more than a decade bartending in New York City. He was great at his craft, had followers all around the city, and he was very, very successful. But the job started to impact his health, and he knew that he had to make a change. So I'd like to welcome in Trevor Schneider, a.k.a. the Cocktail Ninja. He is the U.S. Ambassador for Reka Vodka. Trevor, it is so great to see you, and I want to dive in here and talk a little bit about your life. Is that okay? Yeah, that's so, great. Backstory for people. People who may be listening, Trevor and I met a few months ago, just before the summer solstice, because you came through the uh, through Baltimore and through the city, uh, talking about a summer solstice party that your vodka brand, Reka Vodka, yeah. uh, was going to be doing. Mm -hmm. And in the conversation that we had about the party and about the the company you work for. You were talking about how you had been a bartender for a long time, and there was that moment where you decided that being a bartender was no longer good for you. Yeah. And you had to make that change. Yeah. And I started thinking in the nature of this podcast that I'm doing now, that's a great topic because so many people hit that point in their life, but they're terrified to make that next step. Sure. Or they feel like they're incapable of making that next step. Yeah. I'm like, here's this guy, the cocktail ninja himself, <laughs> who has made that step and made that step successfully. Yeah. So I wanted to get you in here. Sure. So are you okay with sharing that I'm, story? I would love to, Jeff. I, I hope so, because yes. we're already here. Yeah. We're talking. So if not, this would be a huge embarrassment <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> All right. So, Trevor, take me back a few years. So yeah. uh, how did you get into bartending in the first place? 
So I, I'll try to keep this story a little bit abbreviated, okay. but uh, essentially I moved to New York City from New Jersey, and the reality was is that I was pursuing a career in entertainment, mm-hmm. so I wanted to be an actor, and, and I was doing those things, and one of the things that you need to have available is you need to have your days available sure. to go on auditions and, and do all of the things that uh, you know revolve around the entertainment world. So uh, what does that lead you to? Working at night, yeah. essentially. So uh, I had met some friends that worked in the hospitality industry. Uh, uh, oddly enough, it was a friend of mine. His name was Edwin Dublin, and he was a security guy at a place. It was an NYU college bar. Okay. Uh, wow, what was the name? It was called Society. Okay. Now there's a bear burger in that place. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's so many burger places. <laughs> the longevity didn't work out. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. So yeah, so I basically got into it there and started because that allowed me to keep my days open yeah. and and make some money to be able to pay my rent and, and and you know put some food in my in my mouth and then be able to go and audition and try to be Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> but and we we were successful in the Tom Cruise part. No. Uh you know, I mean, I did some small things. Yeah. I don't think anybody would have watched them, but if I, I IMDb you, am I going to get something? You may or may not. Oh. I'm not at liberty to discuss. But no, oh, yeah. Okay. I, I yeah, I, I there'll be a couple things. Okay. Yeah. So you were trying to get into the entertainment industry. You yeah. were bartending. Now was there a point where you kind of realize you know bartending is kind of my career right now yeah so that's a actually it kind of happened a little bit different than that but there was definitely a switch where I was auditioning and I was studying acting and I was doing all of those things and I I just I would book some things here and there but I wasn't really getting a connection yeah and so while this part-time job slash money-making effort that I was putting in the bar became my stage. Yeah. So it started to steal a lot of my passion and my love for at least my pursuing of being an actor. And because I was well received behind the bar and I became, you know, uh, look, uh, when I got behind the bar, I barely knew how to pour a glass of wine. And I remember the guy asking me, what drinks do you know how to make? And that's what I said. I said, <laughs> I barely know how to pour a glass of wine. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yes. And his name is Matt McManus. He's in L.A. now. And he literally said, look, just make it look good and make it red and everybody will love it. Right. (laughs) This has gone back some years. Obviously, the industry has changed drastically. But, yeah, so uh, I started to get some of that love back from basically the consumers. Right. Or the the business, the the people there and the business started to give me a little bit of positive. Yeah. Where I wasn't getting it in the acting world, I was getting it there. And then I started to really start to take it seriously and started to read up and then started to study that stuff and then work on my craft and then go from the college bar to then maybe more of a formal setting or a white tablecloth setting and then do all of that. And after, you know, a couple years of doing that, I realized how many skills I had learned yeah, and how like the same kind of attributes, I'll say, or personality traits in the acting world really crossed over to the hospitality I mean, it world. It is a performance in a it's lot of ways. It's a hundred percent a performance. Yeah. At least the places that I was working in New York, you know, people were coming out like across the world. Most people come out to be entertained. Yeah. And otherwise they would stay home and do it at, at their house. And, you know, outside of the fact that maybe they just don't have the skills or the time mm-hmm. and they'd rather be served than do it at home. So I really just kind of fell in love with the industry and it became this situation where it clicked for me and said, I can't believe at the end of the night I had so much fun. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I had I met so many people and I walked out with money. Yeah. And I was like, this is the most amazing job in the world. I'm never going to do anything else. <laughs> and, you know, because the, my door really or my phone wasn't ringing too much from the acting world, the hospitality world just kind of welcomed me with open arms and really started to take care of me and, and, and allow me or raised me kind of from a boy to a man, especially being in a city that, you know, I moved to with $5,000, no friends and no job. <laughs> Here I was, you know, uh, now starting to have a couple small pieces mm-hmm. to be able to stand on my own two feet. There definitely was a lot of Dwayne Reed buying uh, chili <laughs> out of a can because it was on sale. I'm sure. The but DR. It, we've all done that struggling actor oh, yeah. kind of a lifestyle. So, And it's interesting because in the hospitality industry, I, I never worked in a fancy place. I was all more of a chain restaurant kind of guy. Sure. Uh, but in that, I mean, you feel it's almost like instant gratification. You yeah. know, when you do get that tip or when you walk out with Amazing. the cash, you're thinking, wow, this." it's not like, you know, yes, you can make more money maybe at a different job, sure. but you, you get a paycheck that's auto deposited into your account yep. you never really see that money nope. but as a bartender or a server you're like damn i couldn't believe I it did. I, I i couldn't believe it it was something that you know i had worked cash jobs you know as a kid yeah, sure. like painting in summer yeah. but like to be able to come in and that first job i only worked thursday fridays and saturdays because it was a college bar mm. so those were the nights were the busy nights uh, yeah, and i sense. did very well you know because then the rest of the week i could go on auditions or i could you know kind of rest well that flipped as i continued to work in you know anywhere from five to six days a week yeah and then, you know, really kind of getting into a, p- a place that would allow me to, like, continue on a positive career path and m- be a legitimate bartender that was a career. It's tougher to say that here in the U.S., but outside of the U.S., there are people that, you know, have more serious careers as it relates to, I'll say, bartending, but hospitality. Yeah. There are way more hospitality professionals than there was when I got into it here, and more socially it's acceptable to do those jobs. I'm more talking to my parents that that weren't so excited that I gave up on my computer science degree to then work in hospitality. You know, it's interesting because everybody wants to go out and have a good time, you know, once in a while. They want to go to a bar. They want to be served. But there's still a stigma in so many people's heads that, like, I'm coming into a restaurant as a customer. I am better than you, the server. And I'd never, like— if you're going there, you're expecting to be served. Yep. Why do you think so low of the person that's serving you? I never, I've never understood that mentality. And it's not everybody. No, but there are still people out there that have that feeling. You see people berate yep. bartenders, and I'm like, how can you talk to someone like that? That's working. It's a legitimate job. It's, it's really, it's something like you said. It's not everywhere, but it's definitely out there. And there's a lot of people that I've heard over the years basically say. When in the industry, right, you realize and you say, oh, I, you know, I I can't expect this person to understand. They've probably never worked in hospitality before. Right. So they just don't get it. This is where I throw out the, you know, the message of saying everyone should at least work in hospitality (laughs) just to understand what it's like before you flip out and say, oh, my God, I said no tomato on my sandwich and it came out with a tomato, you know. I don't want to say first world problems, <laughs> but like, you know, it's you probably I don't know. Some people are allergic. I don't want to offend anyone. I'm just saying just, you know, put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. And, you know, for me, 
as a, as a professional and then just as a consumer when I go out, I'm very sensitive to it. I'm diehard hospo, like, you know, and I always will help or at least pay attention to somebody that's stressed out in that environment, whether it be the customer or whether it be the employee working. And, you know, I mean, I spent a lot of years in that yeah. industry. So. so you get it. Yeah. Uh, since you mentioned Tom Cruise earlier, I got to yeah. ask you this question. On a scale of one to cocktail, where did you fall? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, in a lot of ways, I'll answer that question with more of a story, which okay. is that I, the cocktail ninja tag that I got oh, yes, yes. was related kind of to that. And it was because that movie that he did called Last Samurai mm-hmm. that came out was a movie when I was acting and couldn't really afford to get my hair cut. Okay. So when I worked in hospitality and you're around food and drinks, I had to pull my hair back. So it ended up becoming the samurai, well, it's really the bun, my top knot. Yes, yeah. That happened, and then people started calling me the cocktail ninja as it related to because I was flaring the bottle like cocktail from 1988 yeah. to Tom Cruise in Last Samurai. I'm sorry, I don't remember the year that came out, but it was in the 2000s. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, all of a sudden, the cocktail ninja was born. So I'd say cocktail, from right. one to cocktail. Yeah, we're all the way. Cocktail. We go all, the way. <laughs> all right, so Trevor, the, the hospitality, industry it seems like it kind of brought you in it gave you a sense of purpose in a way you found the world that you felt comfortable in you were being successful but as anybody who's worked in the hospitality industry knows there can be a downside to that because there's a lot of late nights there's a lot of alcohol there's a lot of whatever there's a lot of excess in different ways and you know in our conversation before you had mentioned that there came a point where you were like you know what this world maybe it's not for me anymore yeah, it, it's a it's a tougher one, right? And I, I would love to say that you know I know there's some people listening that are probably questioning, you know, uh, do I do this another year? I, I I can't even work another shift, like all these things. I was definitely at a point where it wasn't sustainable for me. Yeah. Um. Again, this is maybe more an isolated situation for me, and I'm only speaking from my standpoint. But I had worked at a lot of places that were very high volume, so the physical demand of just churning out drinks constantly, you know, um, it, it, it wore me out, you yeah. know, and, and a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, it's just so physically demanding. Let's not discount how mentally wearing it is as well. You know, uh, again, relating back to the high volume, I mean, I could serve 150, 200 guests a night. If you think about those conversations, that's a lot of mental power yeah, for sure. versus, you know, you carrying ice up two flights of stairs 12 times a shift, you know, for five days a week, you know. So those two things, they're not equal and they're not like completely different. So as I got to that point, you start to make sacrifices. And I, I think um, you mentioned sleep, right, was yeah. a big one. Uh, for many years there, you know, I, obviously in the Northeast with daylight savings you, and the sun going down a little bit earlier, <laughs> yeah. if you're a bartender and you work very late, you sleep in and oh, then yeah. you go straight to work and maybe you only see 90 minutes of sunlight, you know, and, and that's just kind of a pattern. And I lived that pattern for many years. So making that decision was very difficult, but eventually for me, 
there was not really another option. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I, I'm only saying it from my perspective. I know I have a good friend. His name is Jeffrey Morgenthaler. He is definitely older than me. He's been bartending for 20 plus odd years and that's his thing, you know, and, and, and more power to him. Mm. I just couldn't do it. My knees, my back, my shoulders, my wrist. There was a, there was a couple years I'll say that I couldn't feel like the last three fingers on my hand oh, wow. from like carpal tunnel and the same repetitive motion oh, over and over yeah. and over again and leaning over a bar and again all bars are not the same and hyper extending your knees and stuff you know people don't think about standing you know for 8 to 12 sometimes sure. 14 hours and really physically be demanded in a way that is hurry up especially in New York Everybody, oh, yeah. everybody was looking for something right away, yeah. right away. So, you know, I tried to have a lot of fun. And, you know, you obviously are in mostly bars with music. So there's a lot of dancing and entertaining. And, and like you said, you know, you, you, you have to take care of the guest and be mindful of the guest, but also look after yourself as well. So there's been a lot of trends that have moved towards bartenders taking care of bartenders yeah. and looking out for each other. And that relates to across the board, right? From physical health to diet to consumption, all of these things. Sure. You know, you've seen the whole industry now have a way more social, like, positivity on that, which is huge. It's interesting. We were talking about this, uh, a couple friends and I were talking about this when it comes to music. Um, you know, I work in the radio industry and we see a lot of artists and, and you think back to the the mental image you had of like the typical rock star, mm -hmm. if you will. Like it was go out there, play a show, get drunk, do drugs, yep. go on backstage and it's just excess and hedonism everywhere that you go. Yep. But the reality of it is, and I'm not trying to brag, but like because of the job, I've spent a lot of time backstage. None of that happens. Like a yeah. lot of these artists are vegans. Yeah. They don't drink. Yeah. They're like, they're, they're very concerned about their physical health while yeah. they're on stage because you know like a guy like Luke Bryan because I work in country is someone that I've talked to many times and I mean his physical health is a very important thing to him because yeah. he's got to perform for two hours a night yeah. on that stage he yep. doesn't want to be out there a complete sloppy mess right. he wants to be able to come off the stage and, and feel good yep. you know, and still be a dad and a, a family man sure. at the same time and it's interesting to see that in many different industries not just you know whether it's music or you know in the office but also behind the bar and in hospitality people are taking all of those things yep. into consideration now which is i think it's a hugely important thing huge and, and you touched on a lot of subjects right like the rock star life was everything was just hard right and everything was in excess i think that you know i can only speak from my standpoint like bartending it was the same you know i i, I didn't sleep much i worked mm. very hard uh, i didn't take care of myself diet wise too much you know the, as far no, as late night eating you well, know forget it you i don't mean get a chance I, to eat while you're bartending no. so now here it is two o'clock in the morning and, and i would just jamming food i would just be smoking pizza left and right sure. you know because why you could eat it fast and it was always quick and you could eat it cold oh, absolutely and here we go so you know i mean for many years i would go straight to the diner after my shift at four o'clock in the morning and eat yeah and you know like literally try to wind down and then eventually get to sleep you know four five six o'clock in the morning to get up and do it all over again and i think that one of those things um that you touched on in regards to you know health right I went vegetarian about, I think it's two years ago, okay. and it was in regards to, you know, protecting your body and taking care because otherwise you physically can't deliver the performance. I mean, I'm not a singer, but yeah. there is some level of a performance whilst bartending that you, oh, would, sure. you would need to up, you keep your end of the bargain on. And, you know, there's a lot of outlets that people choose to take and, you know... Uh, 
in a lot of ways, people, you know, need to make money and they have their mission as to how their world and their wheel turns and you figure it out. So for me, it was I needed to start to rest more. Yeah. I needed to, and when I say rest more, I just mean like anywhere from six to eight hours, uh, you know? So I'm not talking- Anything more than what I had already. Right. Yeah. You know, the the three and the four hour nights of yeah. sleep, that, that stuff, you know, you never get your sleep back. So if you think, you know, you stay out all night for a couple nights and then, oh, well, I'll just sleep through the whole weekend, your body never really ends up equaling that deal mm-hmm. out. Um, I'm no sort of scientist or certified in any way, but I can only tell you that that was my experience as a whole. And then food, right? I mean, food is our fuel. That's a huge thing that really helps us in a huge way. And what I was going to say before is that bartending then took me out of exercise because it was so physically demanding that I said, if I go to the gym now, I'm not going to be able to perform at my shift. Yep. And I need that was my only way to, you know, earn money. So the gym kind of fell by the wayside for a couple of years. And now I got back into it slowly and surely. And again, like I said, food is the fuel. You got to make sure that you put good stuff in so you get good stuff out. I don't necessarily want to go down a rabbit hole about food, but about six months ago when I kind of started my personal journey, one of the things that I started to change was eliminating a couple things from my diet. I got rid of dairy from my diet. I wouldn't say that I became a vegetarian because I do still partake in meat from time to time, but I'm largely plant-based now. And it's interesting the different things – that I've noticed with my own body just yep. by changing a couple of little things. You know, it's, like it's uh, miraculous. It's it really is. One of the big things that kind of inspired me was that I wasn't enjoying the way that I was fitting in my clothes. Yeah. One. And then two, because I played sports in college and then I had this, you know, demanding physical bartending, I'll say career, that the inflammation oh, sure. from food was definitely, you know, holding me back from certain, you know, limitations that I didn't want to be a part of. So, you know, I think you mentioning just removing dairy, right? I mean, pizza is a tough one for me. So cheese, cheese is a hard one. But like yourself, I try to limit it or just not eat it as much. And it's huge. I mean, from a better rest to my body temperature to losing some weight to that inflammation thing, I'm, you know, I don't know that I'll ever really go back. I probably will have some things from time to time, as you said, sneak in, yeah. but I, but I won't, I won't do it like I did the first 41 years. Yeah, for sure. So you, you hit this point to kind of circle back here. You hit this point where you we're talking about this right now, where the physical demands, everything was just getting to that point where it was your breaking point, I guess yeah. we can say. Yeah. And then you decide it was time to make a change. How, how was it making that decision? So that one was really hard. You know, it was... It takes you out of your comfort zone. It you know? definitely... And I'm, I, I support that. I support getting out of the comfort zone. I'm the person that says, you know, you should try to learn something new every day that you never knew before because this is our life. And if you don't take full advantage of it, then, you know, you're missing out. Yeah, and nobody sure. else is missing out. So I think that the the demand for me, or I should say the choice, like I said, was almost made without against my will. Okay. I didn't... I didn't want to do it. I had to do it. Mm-hmm. And and that's the only way that I saw me doing it because I physically just couldn't do what I was doing as I continued to get older. I mean, when I started, I was in my 20s, 
Yeah. So now I'm, as I said, I'm 41 and I, I'm young. I, I you know, <laughs> I don't want to say that I'm old, but I'm getting older and you just have to be more mindful and, and more present and, and look after yourself because if you don't, no one else is. And there's a, you know, like you said, rabbit hole. I don't want to jump down any <laughs> rabbit hole, but there are a lot of influences, at least in the U.S., as it relates to food. It's, oh, sure. it's a business. So just take that into consideration. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you were a bartender for how, how long? How many About years? About 15. About 15 years. Yeah. So that you've spent 50, you go from college to 15 years bartending. And, and by no means am I trying to insult you, no. but you, your your skill set that you learn while you're bartending is perfect for bartending. But now you're yeah. trying to figure out what the next step in your life yeah. is. Going through your head or you're like, okay, well, how can I take what I've learned as a bartender yeah. and transition this into a new career for yeah. myself? And so those transitions, right, I, some of them are a little bit farther and the other ones, the parallels are just perfect. Yeah. And I, I'll start with the negative. Like one of them from a corporate standpoint was obviously being up for an 8 or a 9 a.m., you know, conference call. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, being a bartender for as long as I was, you kind of get a little detached from the norms of the, at least the 9 to 5 social, you know, kind of regular. Sure. Yep. Right. So you. that one was a big one for me. The other one, I think this one's just more personal. It's just general attire. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I was the guy that really loved Entourage when it came out. And the one director wore the suits suck shirt. Oh, yeah. And I had a lot of friends that were in corporate America and they loved it. But for me, as pursuing an acting career, that was like against everything that was what I believed. So obviously I had to throw that shirt away because yeah. I moved over to the corporate world. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that transition from the skill set, you know, you, you, you focus on the strengths, yeah. right? And being behind the bar and having conversations, I was always, I could always just talk to anybody anywhere about anything at the drop of a dime, whether that was the CEO of our company mm -hmm. or whether that was my boss, whether that was a distributor partner, because having all those conversations for years in New York behind the bar you can't help but be social. Absolutely. You know, so that was that was a big one. The other ones is kind of like, you know, you make it what it is in terms of your perspective on how you fit into society. And like you had said before about being a bartender, it was a different life, you know, in a yeah. lot of ways. When, when we would go out and I would be with some other friends and all of them are professionals, and then they'd be like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, well, you know, I, I bartend, you know, yeah. or at this spot. And, and the perception was not always positive, right? And I knew what I was doing and I knew what I was earning and I knew the value of the skills that I was learning. And I slowly, like year after year, was saying, you know, I can't do this forever. I'm going to have to figure out a way to leverage all of those skills and move that into something else. And the ambassador role yeah. was kind of a huge thing for me. That's just one outlet, right? There are many ways and I'll just spot out, like spit out a couple of them, right? You can own your own bar. You can, you can get into some level of consulting, whether that's, you know, creating cocktails, whether that's just training people on hospitality, you know, th the sky really is the limit. I mean, in nowadays you can create your own blog. You can, yeah, you can, sure. you can do all of that. And, and a lot of people get a lot of followers, you know, from just making cocktails at home yeah. and making it approachable in that way. So I think, you know, taking full advantage because being a bartender or working in hospitality, we have so many skills 
that really cross over to so many other things. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. We don't always, you know, it's not fitting that square peg into a round hole kind of a scenario, but there is a lot of versatility when it comes to making that transition skill-wise. Yeah. You know, the abrupt change is definitely difficult. Sleep is what I would say right away and getting up early and, and being available in more normal times. Yeah. Because I really felt like I was a vampire for a long time. Making that transition is always hard. I mean, just, I think, so I, by trade, my day job is a morning radio show host. And even just like... Saturday and Sunday, waking up at a more normal time, if you will, quote unquote, even on Monday morning when I have to get back. I mean, it's just two days of being off my schedule. Mondays are brutal. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a hard morning to get through just because I'm so thrown off. You yeah. know, Friday night, I stay out a little bit later. Saturday sure. night, stay a little bit later. And then Sunday, it's like, oh, man, I got to be in bed at a normal time. <laughs> so just that, that transition of sleep is such a difficult thing that I don't yeah. think a lot of people really recognize. No. <laughs> and, and like I said, and again, I'm not quoting any sort of statistics here, but I feel like a lot of people in the hospital industry just oh, yeah. don't get the appropriate amount of sleep. I'm sure not. Yeah. Because like you mentioned too, like you mentioned you would go out and get food mm. after your shift. Mm. I mean, there's a wind down. When I remember when I was waiting tables, yeah. when my shift was over at midnight or whatever time I was done, I didn't want to go to bed right yeah. away. I'm still wound up from running around a restaurant and talking to people yeah. and hanging out. Oh, yeah. I need that like moment to chill. So even if my shift ended at midnight, I'm not going to sleep till two, you know, because I got to calm the body down. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. That that process is something that I feel like a lot of people don't really realize, yeah. you know, that needs to kind of happen. And I remember for many years, I started biking. I moved to Brooklyn and I started to bike after my shifts. And it was like a 20, 25 minute ride, which was fine. But, you know, you have people starting their day. Yeah. And here I'm just closing out <laughs> my yesterday as far as they're concerned. And these people are, you know, getting up and going to work in the morning. So you made a lot of contacts while yeah. you were in the hospitality industry. And yeah. I don't want to say were because you, you are still in some regards yeah. in the hospitality industry. Uh, did your contacts that you made there, did that help you get to this ambassador job? Is this the next job that you took? Or yes. Did, okay, it did. Yeah. Right. And so 100%, right, the contacts I had done while I was bartending, there was always opportunities, right, to pick up other shifts mm -hmm. at other restaurants. But the, then there was also other events yeah. that oh, related sure. back to the industry or brands, kind of like a lot of what I'm involved in now. And so I would always take those. It's like picking up a shift, right? It's You already know what the day is and how much money it's going to be. You guaranteed to get this amount of money if you pick up that shift. And for me, you know, in a lot of ways, it was my own ego saying, no one's going to tell me how much money I'm going to make. Right. I'll just keep picking up a couple more shifts. And all of a sudden now I'll make, you know, two, three, four, five hundred dollars more this week. Yeah. So um, then I could maybe give a shift up and then, you know, figure out a flexibility of schedule. But I think, you know, the the event <clears throat> the event side really started to allow me to have flexibility to understand how to work in this next transition to corporate and leave the bar yeah. industry because I saw a lot of people doing what I wanted to do that wasn't, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours at a bar. Yeah. It was now, okay, we can go do this event for four hours and see how that works for you and then kind of get back to a, a steady life. Or, you know, I mean, essentially, you don't have much of a personal life if it, otherwise you hang out with hospitality people because we work Thursday, Friday, yeah, Saturday that's right. when regular people hang out. So Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday were like my favorite days, but a lot of my friends worked. Exactly. So then I was free and they weren't free. So you start to just kind of make those choices 
I forgot what question you asked me. <laughs> you know, at this point, I did too, and it's okay. Uh, but as the U.S. ambassador for Reka, yeah. what are you doing now with your day? You know, you're you're still going places, and you're still holding events, and you're still working with people in the hospitality industry, but it's not the same physical grueling thing that you were a part of before. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the biggest things, or I should say that's most relatable, is that I understand the path that most of the people that we work with walked in, right? Because yeah. I know what it's like when somebody is kind of either tired or maybe has worked the double. So coming from that industry and now being on the William Grant side or the Reykjavik ambassador side, it's it's very relatable to understand how to speak to somebody if it's like holiday season, right? We're amongst, in my mind, a lot of money for hospitality people. Oh, sure. Because a lot of events are going to happen, all these holiday events, the end of the year events. And so, you know, in December, I would work all those days. So walking in and throwing an event and maybe kind of trying to get something positive out of a bartender, I know the do's and the don'ts of where to <laughs> press the brakes and when to press the gas. And so that is something that I think is very important in terms of making that transition, or I should say one of the attributes that gives me a lot of credibility or a lot of success on this side now out from behind the stick, essentially, is what everybody says. Something that's different about your career now versus before when you were a bartender, uh, you're traveling more. So yeah. you now live in Charlotte. You don't live in New York anymore. You live in Charlotte, North Carolina. But here you are right now in Baltimore, and yeah. you travel to Portland, Oregon. You've mentioned that. I know you've been in Iceland before because that's yeah. where Reka is based. So yeah. there's a travel aspect now, and that's kind of a that's a different physical thing on your body that takes a toll. So I will 100%, and I will say that that relates back to the physical demand from from being in the bar and I think a lot of people don't realize that as well which is last year I think I traveled just over 200 days wow that's a lot of days that is. um you you don't really it's a lot of fun but it becomes that commute right mm -hmm. that you realize getting on a plane and going somewhere to do something in the beginning is way more exciting than time after time after time after time yeah. that you do it so a couple of the things you know I I travel like a ninja now and I've converted my wife over. She thought that I was like psychotic in a lot of ways, but a lot of the things that being in that environment with people that travel and that don't travel, mm -hmm. and I'm I'll try to be as respectful as possible <laughs> to everybody I think included. I know exactly what you're saying. It's you know it's just uh, again uh, pulling it back to the mindfulness, right, and just being aware of whether it's somebody that's maybe never flown before or maybe isn't in the rush that you're in or. You know, they're going on vacation where, in my case, and almost all the cases, I'm going to work. Right. So it's a little different, you know, than saying maybe somebody's going to act like they're on the highway at 7 a.m. driving to work versus that, you know, that first flight out to New York from Charlotte. It's very different. Yeah. And people carry themselves different. But that wasn't the answer to the question. The question was, how do I physically <laughs> take on all the travel? Yeah. Well, one of the big ones is I drink a lot of water. Yeah. Tons of water. If, you know, two liters at least. That's kind of like my minimum when I travel because that relates to me maybe, you know, being up in the air and then back down again and then, you know, working a long day and maybe not getting a lot of sleep. You got to stay hydrated. And then again, you know, kind of exercise whenever you can, even if it's a couple push ups or sit ups in your hotel room or in between somewhere. Just make sure you get your heart rate up and try to get a little exercise or walk if yeah. you have time. A lot of us don't have time, but try to make time however you can or just go to the gym. 
right? And just do that thing. Get something. Whatever it is, right? I love to swim. I love to do low impact things because my body is a little beat up. So swimming laps is like my favorite thing to do. I'll run on the treadmill if I have to, but I would much prefer to swim just to keep the longevity of my joints so I don't have to have them replaced. <laughs> I used to think that when I was getting ready to go to the gym, I always had to have a dedicated hour at yeah. the gym. Like that was my time for me. I thought, okay, it takes me 15 minutes to get there, an hour to work out, 15 minutes after. Like I need at least an hour and a half. Yeah. Ooh, I don't have an hour and a half. But I've gotten really good at realizing I can pack in a lot in 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, even like even 20 minutes. If I just need to get there and get something done, if I keep myself moving for yeah. 20 solid minutes, I still feel great later. You it's, know? It, it, it's a so huge thing. Is better it's than a, nothing. It's a yeah. huge payoff, right? Kind of yeah. to your point, right? Whether it's 20 minutes or 90 minutes, whatever you can take, take it. Take it, take it, take it, because it really makes you rest better. Everything yeah. is better. Your body functions better. And then, like I think my normal tone here has been food. Yeah. You know, make sure that you eat right. I'm not saying don't splurge or don't try other things that you know maybe are. Uh, they're not plant-based or they're more manufactured or whatever. Enjoy those things. Just be mindful of what you're putting into your body. So you're happy. Life is good. Life is better than it's been on 41 than it has been in the previous 41. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to hear that because like we said at the very beginning of this interview, and this is kind of what I wanted to do full circle here, that moment where you have to decide it's time to make a change is such a difficult decision for so many people. I mean, look, I've been thinking about it in the career that I'm in right now. I've done radio since I got out of college. Um, So for me, that's been, what, 16, 17 years at this point? So it's been a while of doing radio, and I haven't done anything else. And when I sit down and think about, well, what else can I offer this world – it's hard. It's hard yeah. to think because you've, you've been so focused on one thing for so long. And I can just imagine so many people going through that same exact thought process yeah. every day. And you are a case study of someone who hit that wall, hit that yeah. breaking point and said, this is it. We've got to make it happen. Yeah, I support it. And and you know what? You just take that leap of faith. I think more so now than ever, you have a lot of people. I remember when my parents and my grandparents, you know, they worked one job and, and that was the job was for their whole life. I think, you know, my parents' generation, maybe it was two jobs. I think for us, you know, a little bit on the younger side, you know, two or three, you know, depending on what you want to do, there could be many jobs. I think that leveraging whatever your skills are and whatever your desires are and whatever your needs are and your passion, you just figure out what works for you. Yeah. I think that, you know, like you said, you doing it for so long you thinking about what else what else can i do yeah what else can i contribute i think we all should be asking ourselves that question because what's next is kind of always something that should be out there on our minds yeah for sure you know because hey look something's happened mine from bartending was physical you know and 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 i had to kind of think quick and pivot against my will in a lot of ways cuz if i could still do it day in and day out i would do it yeah but it's not in the cards for me. Just man. not there. Well, I'm close. I'm close. <laughs> so some tips, I guess, if anybody listening yeah. right now to kind of like sum, you know, summarize everything we talked about. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the big pieces of this is just recognizing where you're at in life and recognizing that that moment is happening to you where you maybe need to make a shift. You know, like listen, listen to your body, listen to the world around you telling you this is the time to make it. Uh, and a big thing, you just said this phrase, leveraging your skills. Yeah. Don't let the fact that you're a bartender or you're a radio DJ or you've worked in a coal mine 
on your entire life hold you back from going for something that you want because you have to look at all the skills you learned in that job and find out how can you use those skills to transition to other opportunities. And I think those are just two major points that if anybody listening right now is taking anything away from this, those are the two points that I hope that they're pulling away uh, from this conversation. For sure. Yeah, I think it's great. I think you guys should get out there and just do it, right? You know, you don't know if you don't try. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Trevor, I uh, appreciate you so much for coming by and uh, sharing some time. I know you're only in town for a couple of days, so I'm glad that you were able to make some time for us today. Uh, If people want to find out more about you, they want to follow along with your journey, where can they do that? So the easiest way to get me or the the place that I'm most at is uh, Cocktail Ninja on Instagram. That's the easiest way. You can try me on Facebook as well, and that's just my full name, Trevor Schneider. But Instagram is probably the sure bet. Yeah, so you can learn more about what Trevor's up to, where he's traveling, and also how to properly iron clothes. Yes! That is a very big thing. (laughs) Thanks for that plug, Jeff. You're welcome. And you know what? We're not going to go into that anymore. No. I want you to go to the Instagram, and I want you to find out exactly what I'm talking about. Thank you so much for taking a listen to episode three of the Be More Well podcast. Already working on the next episode that's going to feature author Erin Washington. She'll be talking about her personal journey through eating disorders to finding her health, as well as her new book, Squatch and Margaritas. Excited for this one. Please click subscribe so you don't miss out. And also follow us on social media. On Instagram, it's Be More Well podcast. And on Twitter, it's just Be More Well. I'm Jeff St. Pierre. And thank you again for your time. I'll catch you next time.